book of Acts. Everybody knows that. Uh, we're in the 12th chapter. We're going to do the entire chapter. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, today's 9-11. Yes. And uh, if you haven't thought of it, just hold up. I saw a, th- a, a recent documentary that was done, uh, and it had a lot of the people that were involved in it, survivors, and they're still hurting. They're still hurting, and I think as a nation, we can't, we can't forget it. So let's remember them in prayer. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we forget how good we have it. We ask you to bless us now in this country where we can pray on street corners and pray over our food and restaurants and, and put Christian stickers on our cars and, and declare your name, Lord, freely. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for what we have here and help us to not take it for granted. Tonight, we, may your word penetrate our hearts. May we learn who you are. And may we learn who we are as we learn about you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Chapter 12. Uh, Acts is an exciting book. Uh, There's so much going on in this book. And we get to watch the church grow. We get to watch uh, doctrine being established and to witness some of the events that brought us to where we are right now today. It's easy to see the church's beginnings. And and actually, you you can sense the excitement of those days. Jesus promises that this all happens in this book up to now. He promises the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, his ascension is witnessed. Acts 1.1, while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will, will so come in like manner. And as you saw him go into heaven, uh, how's that for exciting? You know, I mean, that's that's an amazing thing, you know, to, to have watched that. And that excitement didn't stop with these guys. It goes on. It goes on. The people talking to each other saying, did you see it? You know, were you there? No, I didn't see it, you know. But it was an exciting time. The Holy Spirit is given in this book and the Holy Spirit goes to work. Uh, Pentecost, 3,000 saved. And while they look stead... Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> On Sundays, okay, when Tony announces that in Old Town, Pasadena, Lupe, Max, and Sandra accepted Jesus as their Savior, we applaud, right? How about 3,000, right? Standing ovation. <laughs> Church begins to work in unity in this chapter. Jews and Gentiles come together. This is the whosoever mentioned in John 3.16. It's all of us. Uh, there's a bold faithfulness. It's active, alive, ongoing. It's enthusiastic. It's enthusiastic. This, where we are today didn't start out with a bunch of ho-hum people. Uh, the church is persecuted. In reaction to that persecution, the church gets stronger. Uh, United States Marines have a saying, we never retreat. We just attack in a different direction. (laughs) These people won't quit. There are problems. Sure, there are problems. Ananias and Sapphira, and the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and the high priests. There are a lot of stones in the road. Uh, But like that old Jewish saying, 
So when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. You know, these, that's what these folks did. They just kept making lemonade. Uh, there's tension. There's tension in the church. It isn't all smooth sailing. The Hellenists have a complaint. They have to solve that. There are solutions uh, that lead to effective positions being created. And the apostles are freed for ministry and continual prayer. Uh, if Mario, Tony, Henry, Fernando, Diego, and Sam weren't doing their jobs, would X be free to pray and study the Word of God like he is? No, he wouldn't be. He has that freedom because there are so many people doing the work so that he can do the work that he's been uh, blessed to do. Stephen is martyred in this book so far. It goes to his death triumphantly as Jesus did. Uh, his death could be seen as a tragic loss or a spectacular inspiration to the church, or both, or both. Uh, he's a pivotal person. He's what you would call a pivotal person. In, uh, we read, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he had fell asleep, died. And Luke, Jesus said, Luke twenty three thirty four. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know, know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. He went to his death triumphantly. The perse- persecution of the church starts to become very intense as zealots like Saul, who consented to the stoning of Stephen, created havoc, imprisoning men and women everywhere, causing the church to scatter. Now, I admit that not all excitement is exactly fun, like when a bear is chasing you. It's exciting. It's even more exciting if you get away, you know. At this point in time, I would have to guess that the early church was often charged with adrenaline. There was a lot of adrenaline going on in this day. Uh, We read of Philip's evangelistic work, another pivotal person. This sets pattern for evangelistic work continues to this day. It's exciting. It's exciting. Our street witnessing ministry carries on that excitement to this day. They're out. There. I was talking to uh, Mike Natini, and Mike told me how uh, he says I stand on a soapbox and uh, and just make a fool of myself for Jesus. You know, I can imagine him up there. He's a big guy up there standing on a soapbox preaching the word. People walking by going, this guy's nuts, you know. But then we, we hear it on Sunday morning. It's successful. It's successful. There are people that stop and say, what are you talking about? And, and the, these guys are amazing. They really are. They're doing something, i got to admit, I would have a hard time doing. But Philip is a pivotal person. Saul's converted. Wow, all that zeal and passion that was so hurtsome to the early church has turned to the service of the Lord. How about that? Uh, It would be like Barack Obama, Michael Moore, and Hillary Clinton publicly confessing their sins, confessing the name of Jesus. That's about the same impact. You know, would that be okay? You know, would that be exciting? Uh, This is huge. Paul's certainly a pivotal person. He was so infamous that when he made his turnaround, Ananias had to double check, double check with Jesus. He said, are you sure? You know, 
before he would go. And then when he went to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles, they were afraid of him. Uh, they were afraid of him. Uh, and then Peter has a dramatic vision and Cornelius reaches out to him. The Gentiles become part of this fabulous family. Family. This is all exciting and new. The good times and the bad were held up by a bold faithfulness. Uh, that's what we need to apply to our walk and service to the Lord today. We can't be ho-hum Christians. Well, we can be, but is that what you want? Do you want to be a ho-hum Christian? Uh, we need to be bold in our faithfulness. There was, uh, we see uh, Selena and Justin lead worship a lot of times. Their grandma, Jessie, was amazing. The first time we saw Jessie, we didn't know she went to this church. We saw her in, at the Glendale Galleria with a table out and all these tracks on it. And so I walked by and I just knew she was a Jehovah's Witness or something. <laughs> looked at the table. You know, and I saw it was all, they were all these tracks for outreach. And, and we started talking to her, you know, and she was just amazing. She was an amazing woman. She was a little short thing. And she just, you know, had this fire going on. And then we came to church here and I said, there's that woman, you know. And it blew my mind. It really did. Jesse was amazing. And, and until the Lord returns, we're going to have our ups and downs. We're going to be a, like it's a roller coaster. Our Christian walk is like a roller coaster. We get in that little car, you know, and creeps up to the top, and then it's like, wah! You know, look out. If we take a moment to meditate on our walk with Jesus, mine has been at least a little bit like a roller coaster. In this period of time during the book of Acts, the church has been driven on the ground. Has anybody seen the movie Paul? Anybody saw the movie Paul? The the movie Paul, besides the the, the you know, being about Paul, the, the scenario was such the church was driven underground. The, the church was hiding. You know, it wasn't like us that we pray in restaurants and on street corners. It wasn't that at all. These folks were all hanging out, you know. It would be a long time in this journey before Billy Graham would be able to fill the Rose Bowl four nights in a row for an evangelistic outreach, you know. But he did. In fact, uh, my wife and I volunteered, Debbie and I volunteered to, uh, to help. And uh, he filled it uh, every night, and they, end, they ended up giving him the Rose Bowl for free because the parking was so successful. They, you know, and they do that if, if one thing gets to a certain point. So, and it would be centuries before Chuck Smith would be baptizing what uh, a vice president of the United States used to call the great unwashed, the hippies, uh, publicly and joyously in the Pacific Ocean. Being a Christian then was not without the promise of trials. Being a Christian required courage, strength, and endurance. Kind of the same thing it does today, right? Peter was no stranger to any of this. He walked with Jesus for his entire ministry, among the very first apostles to be called. He heard praise and hearty rebuke from Jesus, sometimes just a few verses apart. You know, only heaven has revealed this to you. And then a couple of verses later, it's, get, me, get thee behind me, Satan. I've always been amazed at that. That's kind of like what I can do. I can do, oh, I'm so good. And then, I'm, oh, I'm so bad. After Jesus ascended, Peter was filled with bold faithfulness. He led by example. And as this chapter begins, we can see that both the persecution has become commonplace and get a glimpse into the underground church. 
So now Acts 12, verse 1 to 25. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. That was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to keep him before the people after Passover, to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from them. Verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Jesus knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept on, she kept insisting, that it was so. So they said, It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to him, to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison and said, Go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched him out and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, Herod, arrayed in a royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give glory to God. 
and he was eaten by worms and died. The word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had, when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took that with them John, whose surname was Mark. Verse 1, now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. There are five or six Herods mentioned in the Bible. Uh, this was Herod, Herod Agrippa I. First there was Herod the Great, then Herod Archelaus, Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, and lastly Herod Agrippa I and Herod Agrippa II. Uh, I noticed discrepancies when I googled how many Herods there, there were in the Bible. I, I got four and I got six. Uh, we can be reasonably sure that this is Herod Agrippa I. He's the grandson of Herod the Great. His son, Herod Agrippa uh, II, would preserve, pre preside over Paul's trial and say in Acts uh, 26, 28, that famous statement, you almost per persuade me to become a Christian. Wow. Not all of the Her Herods claim the title of kings. They were tetrarchs under the Roman authority and not supreme in their reign. You've got to remember that. They ruled a quarter of the empire. Herod the Great was responsible for the death of all the babies in, Jeru in Be Bethlehem when he realized he had been tricked by the three wise men. Uh, the Herodian lineage was not the kindest of lineages. You had to be careful if you accepted a dinner invitation to their palaces. Uh, we read that this Herod, Agrippa I, reached out his hand to harass the church. I'd say so. Beheading is pretty harassing. Empowered by Rome, all the Herods were more interested in serving Rome because that's where the juice was. That's where the power lie. Uh, and they ruled over their people harshly. The church had been a bother to the Jewish elite for sure, a bother that had grown into a genuine problem. Uh, in fact, it was an enormous problem. Harassing the church served two purposes. It satisfied the Jews, and this alone would make Rome happy. It meant that Herod was doing his job. Uh, this also suppressed this new religion, uh, which would be also be pleasing to Rome because they were polytheistic in their religious system. So they didn't need any Jesus stuff going on. They didn't care for that too much. Verse 2 we read, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James was an apostle, one of the sons of thunder. And I would have to believe that as such, he would figure prominently, as would all the apostles, as leaders of the early church. Killing with the sword usually meant beheading. Uh, this was both a Roman as well as a Jewish mode of punishment. According to the Talmud, Jewish writing, which is the body of Jewish civil and ceremonial law, killing with the sword or beheading was inflicted on those guilty of drawing the people away to strange worship. James would have certainly been guilty of this. Uh, and notice also this was a fulfilled prophecy. In Mark chapter 10, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptized, baptism I am baptized with, you will also be baptized. So there you go. And there he went.
Verse 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. I would have to think that Herod, uh, he would have guessed that this would please the Jews. So when he saw it did please the Jews, he had Peter arrested. And keeping the Jews at peace and contented would also be an advantage, as I said, in his relationship with Rome. Uh, so the excitement of these days would have been hard for the high priest, scribes, Pharisees, Jewish hierarchy to deal with. They were having a problem with this infant church. Problem? It was growing. It was growing in spite of all their efforts to make it not grow. In spite of all that was being thrown at it. The church was adding believers. Such is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it was. Uh, the number of believers was increasing. And as it did, those at the top who controlled the religions, the religious, economic, and social reigns of the Jews were threatened. And this was the, the, the fat cat's livelihood. I mean, if, you wanted, if I want forgiveness, so if I mess up, I go to the Lord. I get on my knees, I ask him to forgive me, and I mess up, so I need to do that. These guys had to wait until they could go to temple and they'd kill something, you know. I mean, if they, if they didn't have, uh, if they didn't have an, an unspotted kind of a uh, sacrifice, they could always buy one from the people in the temple, but they couldn't use Roman money. They had to use shekels. The rate of exchange didn't exactly favor uh, the people. It favored the, pe- the money changers whose tables Jesus overturned. Daryl once said, he says, he, and he fashioned a, a, a whip of ropes. And you can just imagine Jesus getting angrier and angrier while he made that whip. You know? He, he went in there and just had at him, you know? Uh, their power was being eroded. Uh, in varying degrees, these people feared God. And the only path to atonement was through the high, uh, high priest in the temple. Jesus was the new covenant. Jesus was the new covenant. Uh, and he replaced that old covenant of animal sacrifices and rituals. And as a former Catholic, I kind of feel the same way about having a relationship with Jesus. Uh, the, the new covenant opened the door to atonement for the Jews and put the spiritual leaders of the day out of business. It wasn't business as usual. Now they could just get on their knees. Now Herod, pleased with the reaction of beheading James, was eager to repeat his success. Killing James and Peter, they would suppose, would be a crippling blow to this baby religion. These two very powerful men, two very anointed men. How incredibly foolish. Uh, there was a play a while back that said, your arms are too short to box with God. You know, and they are. Herod and the leaders of the day were too foolish to know that. Peter was empowered. But he was not the power. We too are empowered. But we're not the power. Jesus Christ is the power. Always was, always will be. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. So when they had arrested him, put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover, Peter and the apostles, Paul, I'm sure many others, were no stranger to the other side of the bars. I uh, 
as many of you know, myself and a lot of a lot of the guys at this church were involved in the prison ministry. And I see these guys on the other side of the bars. And it's not a fun place to be. But these guys, hey, throw me in jail. And God can do amazing things for his beloved. Back in 5, Acts 5, verse 9. But at, at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priests and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders, the children of Israel, and they sent to the prison and had them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, the guards standing outside the doors. When we opened, then we, we found no one inside. And when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. I mean, that's an, I love that. I just love that. That's, that's definitely Marines. Marines all over again. They just attack in a different direction. Uh, they didn't run and hide. Now, probably remembering how Peter and the apostles had been mysteriously put out of prison, Herod delivers him to, uh, to the guards and assigns four squads. Four squads of soldiers. A squad consisted of eight men. So 32 men guarding Peter. And they, they were soon going to figure out that that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. Uh, a little side trip. I can't get over what's supposed to be uh, an exciting time here in this church's history. History it doesn't specifically say in Scripture that this was exciting. But I get excited just reading about it. I do. Uh, I imagine myself back in those days. Uh, I imagine sneaking out to the marketplace to get bread for the brethren, for the underground. I imagine looking over my shoulder as I sneak back, hoping I haven't been followed. I imagine hearing the news. They beheaded James. And they've got Peter. I mean, you can imagine what this must have felt like. I imagine being gripped with that bold face. No matter what, we're going to endure. Jesus, Jesus never quit. Why should they? Why should we? Thinking with a bold faithfulness, we can't be stopped. Jesus, is, Jesus Christ is Lord and believing it with all my heart. These are the people in this world who, who live. There are people in this world who live this reality today. We really, X points it out to us all the time. We take for granted our, our freedom to worship, our freedom to do whatever we want. Uh, uh, he's constantly uh, busting the emerging church, and, he, and he's just so straight ahead about, about teaching us the word. Uh, we get meat and potatoes here, and there are still underground churches filled with all kinds of excitement that are looking over their shoulders, that are sharing Bibles, that if they have a few, a few pages of Scripture, they're flipping out, you know. It's like a treasure to them. You know, I mean, how many Bibles do you own? I own a bunch of Bibles. You know? And if we recall some of these previous chapters, Peter was raising the dead, healing the sick. He was filled with the love of God and the Holy Spirit, and well-known and well-liked. This occurred during the Feast of Passover, so Jerusalem was filled with pilgrims, and executing someone like Peter at this particular time wasn't smart. 
This wasn't a smart time to do it. Haran was mean, but he wasn't stupid. He decided he would wait to deal with Peter. He either wanted to show how religious he was by observing the time of Passover. Maybe, maybe he was intimidated by the crowds. Maybe he wanted the full attention of the Jews when he did it. Uh, we don't know exactly. Besides, he's got 32 men guarding one man. You know, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what could go wrong? Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to, to God for him by the church. We should see this as fervent and earnest prayer. This is one of my favorite commentators, David Guzik. I'm going to quote him here. The word constant also has the idea of earnest. Literally, the word pictures someone stretching all they can for something. The verb ektenos in Greek is related to ektenos, which means to extend. A medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limit. Luke used the same word, ekstenos, uh, for the agonizing prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. These guys were praying. These guys were, they were getting down. Uh, verse seemed, it, it, still, this verse seemed a little strange to me. I, I read it kind of like, Peter's in prison, that's a given. However, the church was in constant prayer form. I read the underlying measure of bold faithfulness. It's as if to say, he may be in jail, but we're on this. We're on this. Uh, we've got his back. It may not have read that way, but that's the way it appeared to me. It's the word but that caught my attention. Uh, I was asked an interesting question. Do you think that the believers prayed any differently for Peter than they did for James? Maybe. I can't help but think that because of James's death, it be a more invigorated effort. Remember, it's more likely the loss of James to the church was quite significant. He was one of the sons of thunder. And I'm sure that if Jesus named him a son of thunder, he was a son of thunder. He was a powerful man. When a presence like this is lost, in any circumstances, deeply felt. In Vietnam, officers and corpsmen, uh, they never wore their uh, collar devices to indicate their rank. Because those are the first people that you wanted to take out, that the, the enemy tried to take down. So they never, they never identified themselves. Corman never wore a, gold, a red cross on their hat like they do in the movies. Uh, they didn't want anybody to know they were Corman. Uh, James is dead, now Peter's in prison. His early cho- church is both grieved, frightened, and on edge. It's the, one of the most... Ex- it's in the most extreme situations that we grow. Uh, collectively, these early uh, believers, they were being stretched. They were being stretched. One time Mario came up to me and uh, I was just over, Debbie and I were going over to a convalescent hospital over in, in Montrose and, and doing Bible studies over there. And Mario comes up to me and he goes, uh, would you teach a Bible study for me? And I said, you know, I mean, you can say no. You know, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. He says, well, we prayed on it, and everybody's busy, and nobody can, can help out. So he goes, I want you to fill in for X Wednesday morning. <laughs> I, are you kidding? You know? And Luis Rocha cracked me up. He goes, ain't it cool when God stretches you? You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> it, at the time, it wasn't. Uh 
But you can't deny it's exciting. Verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, the guards before the door keeping the prison. Uh, Sunday before last, X taught about uh, Peter in his uh, message about the apostles. And one of the things that struck me, and X pointed it out, that Peter was soundly asleep. Uh, It was not the demeanor of a condemned man. Uh, Peter was sleeping. (laughs) Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And this was Peter living this out. Okay, this was Peter demonstrating it. Uh, He was living in a boldly faithful way, sleeping the same way. Uh, I had prostate cancer about 15 years ago or so. And I remember waking up every night around 2.30 in the morning. I I was working, and I had had to get to work, and it was like I would wake up, and the first thing that came to my mind, I wouldn't have to come out of that fog from sleep. I'd go, prostate cancer, and I was awake. And I would pray, and I would give it to God, give it to God. But I, I, I never went back to sleep. I, I was just terrified, right? And one morning, one morning, I, I, I woke up, and I went, prostate cancer. Oh, Lord, I just got to give this to you. And I went back to sleep. And that morning, I gave it to him. And after that, it was okay. After that, it was okay. It took a lot of tries. I didn't get it all, you know, right at the get-go. Uh-uh. In Psalms, we read, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And Peter was sleeping. Verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Some things to notice. A heavenly being stands by him. Everyone is asleep. The light shines. Peter's the only one. Peter needs to be woken up. The guards don't wake up. Two soldiers don't wake up. These chains, I'm sure they weren't, you know, whisper quiet. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. You wake up, the lights are on, even though there's no electricity, right? No, like, there's no explanation for this light being on. Today we would go, somebody flipped a switch. You know? Nobody flipped a switch. There was no flip to switch to flip. Say that three times. Uh, what's going on? The angel identified in, in, in this last verse is an angel of the Lord, not the angel of the Lord. So I have to believe that this is a ministering spirit, not Jesus. The dictionary ref- defines angel the King James Dictionary, a spirit or spiritual intelligent being employed by God to communicate his will to men. Hence, angels are ministers of God and ministering spirits. Chains, guards, prison, bad situation. And after Sarah laughs about having a baby, what did we hear God say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? This isn't too hard for God. Verse 9, so he went out and followed him, and he did not know that, it, that what was done by the angel was real. 
but thought he was seeing a vision. The same time, this is the same Peter now. You've got to remember this. The same Peter walked on water with Jesus. I've got a take on that. I used to think he took two steps and went in the water. You know. Then I thought one day, I'd go, maybe he went 100 steps. Maybe he went 100 yards. Maybe he really walked on water and knew that he walked on water before he lost it, before the wind and the waves overcame him. You know, so this is that same Peter. This is uh, the same Peter that received his orders directly from the Lord. Feed my sheep. Uh, remember the sheep that came down out of heaven? This is this vision. Kill and eat, Peter. So he was no stranger to visions. Uh, it was understandable that he, that, that he thought this might be a vision too. In verse 10. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And then they went out, went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from me. Remember, there were four squads of soldiers, 32 men guarding Peter. Ancient Jerusalem, it was supposed, had, had a series of three walls. The angel led Peter past the two guard posts into the city, the iron gate, and you got to remember, this is this is a big old heavy gate. This isn't a gate that you, you know, you got that little latch goes. It's not that kind of a gate. This is a big heavy gate. Uh, it was meant uh, to secure the city from attacking armies. This gate opened on its own. This gate just flat opened. Uh, <laughs> so much for the automatic garage door, right? <laughs> uh, then there were more than likely gate uh, guards here too, even though the scripture doesn't set it, state it. But probably we got to remember, thirty-two men. You would have spread them out. You would have kept them going. Uh, and the angel leaves him as if to say, "You can take it from here." So in verse eleven, when Peter had come to himself, he said, "Now I know for certain the Lord has sent His angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod." and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Notice it wasn't until after the angel left him that Peter established any clarity. He came to himself. That's an interesting statement. He came to himself. Peter wasn't wondering anymore. He says, now I know for certain. Now I know. Uh, There are times when you just know the Lord's in it. Peter's in the context of the situation. He knows. He walked with Jesus for over three years. He witnessed his heavenly power at work firsthand and up close and personal. He is qualified to state with certainty the Lord has sent his angel. He's, he's got the, the ability to say that. Uh, the result of this is Herod's plan to execute him has been blocked. Furthermore, he's been delivered from the expectation of the Jewish people. Forgive me for making such a worldly parallel, but that's how Hillary Clinton's supporters must have felt when Donald Trump won the presidency. The expectation of the Jewish people. I see it something very desirous. They were very, very much wanting Peter to be killed. They wanted him dead. And this blasphemous religion, this Christianity had to be squashed. James was dead, and now they thought Peter would be executed as well. Christianity was having an impact on the, their entire system of worship, their entire social structure, their entire monetary system because they were losing all that money from the temple. 
Jews were not bad people, but Christians were upsetting the entire fabric of the Jewish world. Got to remember, the Jews of this time, it was basically the leaders of the Jews that were a problem. It wasn't exactly that the Jewish man that was looking for atonement and going to to the temple and sacrificing an animal, he wasn't a bad guy. He wanted to be right with God. Uh, And it was the the leaders of the people that were, were really upset with the way everything was going. This wasn't working out for him. Verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Peter thought about this. He could he considered it. He could see it could be seen as meditated on it. He thought about this. Uh, John Mark is often just called Mark. At this time, it was not unusual for a Jew to have two names, like uh, Simon Peter. He's considered the author of the Gospel of Mark. He was the cousin of Barnabas. His mother was named Mary and owned a large house, large enough to uh, accommodate a gathering of Christians. Uh, verse 12 tells us that many were gathered together praying. This, is, uh, this was mentioned in verse 5, and we speculated that the prayer of the faithful had been kicked up a notch now that uh, James had been executed and killed with the sword. Very short rabbit trail. Isn't the first Thursday of the month when we come together for corporate prayer, isn't that special? Isn't that really special? Uh, it's a blessing to come together and pray. We can pray for each other. We can lift up our own problems and concerns. And when I dropped off my son years and years ago at U-Turn for Christ, uh, the the words prayer changes things were everywhere. They were everywhere. Uh, They were artistically written and framed on a little piece of paper or on a canvas. Uh, It was on the side of a building, 40 feet long, written like perfect graffiti. It was crudely painted here and there in white paint. It said, prayer changes things. It was every place you looked, it said, prayer changes things. Power of prayer is huge. It's immense. It's just plain big. When when you were a kid, you remember you say, how big is it? And you go, it's this big, you know? That's how big prayer is. It's bigger than my arms can stretch. The early believers believed in the power of prayer, or else they wouldn't be gathered like this. They knew this was going to work. They had faith. And it's a good guess they were praying for Peter. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at, at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. <laughs> Adam Clark quotes uh, the King James. A damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. I love that. She came to inquire who was there. Rhoda signified she was named after a rose. It appears to have been uh, customary with the Jews to give names of flowers and trees to their daughter. Thus, Susanna signifies a lily. Uh, Hadassah was a myrtle. Tamar, a palm tree. I don't know what they would call poison ivy. (laughs) Wouldn't that be bad? You call your kid poison ivy. And Guzik said, because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Rhoda was so excited to hear from Peter, she left him out at the gate. (laughs) And this is one of the things that uh, Guzik pointed out, and I love to read this. This natural, true-to-life feel of these accounts shows the reliable historical character of the book of Acts. 
and what the verse was in verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. And it doesn't specifically identify Rhoda except by name. We can guess that she was probably a regular member of the church. She recognized Peter's voice, so she knew it. Furthermore, it says she didn't open the gate because she was so happy. To be that elated, she was more than likely praying for him. And she knew well enough, uh, knew him well enough to know that it was Peter. It's Peter. Wow, it's Pete. Pete's there. And imagine her excitement. How She fails in one important thing. She's so excited. She doesn't let him in. Okay. But then in verse 15, uh, she goes, she had ran in and announced that Peter was before the gate. And they said to her, you're beside yourself. And she kept insisting it was so. So they said, it's his angel. You're beside yourself. Nice way of saying you're nuts. You're crazy. She kept insisting. No, really, really. And they would not give up. Uh, she, uh, they would not give it up to her. It's his angel. And among the Jews, the, uh, the Jews, the B.C. Christians, uh, Jews, it was common opinion that every man had a guardian angel. Okay? Uh, so they thought it might be a guardian angel or perhaps a messenger. Uh, I might add that it was uh, among some very early commentators, they, they did everything to discredit this. It was a jailer that let Peter out. Uh, it wasn't an angel. They just tried to make it very worldly. Uh, obviously, it wasn't. Verse 16. Now, Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Luckily for Peter, he kept on knocking. <laughs> it would appear they had no intention of opening the gate. They might be forgiven for this, too. These times were difficult times. They had reason to think, there was trouble on the other side of the gate. Uh, they didn't have any reason to think it was the Fuller Brush Man or, you know, Domino's delivering. Uh, they were astonished. I love the word astonished. I really do. It it means greatly surprised or amazed. And then I looked up these synonyms. Blown away, awestruck, astounded, mind-boggling, taken by surprise, flabbergasted, uh, or flummoxed. I like that one, flummoxed. Answered prayer is astonishing. I don't know why it should be. Although we pray in faith, there's something absolutely amazing when God answers our prayers. Isn't it? You know, don't you just, wow. You know, I'm here you're praying in faith. And God answers your prayers and you go, I'm amazed. You know? Sometimes it just takes perseverance. Just keep on knocking. Verse 17. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. I would suppose there would be quite a commotion at the sight of Peter. Uh, standing in the middle of the house, he would have to quiet them down. He would tell them, hey, hold it. He explained the supernatural deliverance from jail. I would think he wouldn't leave out any details. If they were astonished to see him, they must have been blown away when he told them how he got out of jail. He instructs them to go tell these things to James and the brethren. Obviously, it's not that James has been murdered. Most likely, it would be the brother of James, who was a big leader in the Jerusalem church. Interestingly, James did not become a believer until after the crucifixion of Jesus. 
that James. Can we imagine what a roller coaster ride this has been? James has been executed, slain with the sword. Peter's been arrested. Peter is free. Free by the power of God. An angel brought him out. Is the church excited? Wouldn't you be excited? Wouldn't you be? I'd be excited. I'd be real excited. Uh, would, would you, uh, what would the answered prayer of the saints do for their faithfulness? Would it embolden them? You betcha. This verse ends by, uh, by saying that Peter left Mary's house. It doesn't say where he went. We have to remember that at this time, Peter's a fugitive. Okay, Peter's a fugitive. Uh, leaving his, the brothers and sisters of Mary's house, it's the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do because staying there would have endangered them. Where did he go? We're not told and it's not important. He left. Verse 18. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among, uh, <laughs> among the soldiers of what had become to Peter. Verse 19. But when Herod had searched for him and, and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. In verse 7, when the angel first appeared to Peter in the prison, a light shone. Peter was asleep, had to be awakened. Now at daybreak, his escape is discovered. Okay. Uh, to say there was no small stir among the soldiers has got to be a monumental understatement. If a guard let a prisoner escape, they would be subject to, pun the, to the prisoner's punishment. Whatever the prisoner had coming, now it's yours. In this case, death. The guards at county jail. We, we, we were in there. Do you remember when they were, uh, they were missing a prisoner a couple of weeks ago? They, they were missing a prisoner at jail, right? And these guys were freaking out. They were. They, they didn't have him down as an escapee, but they didn't know where he was, Right. And you saw, you saw these sheriffs going, you know, and they were counting and they had their little things out and checking. And it was, it was amazing. Now, this is even worse. None of those jailers at county would have been killed if they lost a prisoner. These guys know what's coming. Uh, they had no idea. They had no idea what happened. Uh, in verse 19, Herod searched for him. You got to be aware that Herod's search was with all the power of physician. He's a big shot, so it wasn't like me looking for the quarter that I lost. Uh, this is a huge embarrassment to him. Peter was no low-profile low prisoner. We have to recall that besides the hand of Herod, he had been delivered from the expectation of the Jews. The Jews were excited. Oh, we got James. Now we're going to get Peter. All right, you know. Uh, Herod was trying to make himself look good, and now he looked like a chump. The guards wouldn't be able to provide, they would not be able to provide any logical explanation. And, and the truth, if they'd even known the truth, uh, would have been unbelievable to everybody, especially to Herod. Herod would have never bought it. Uh, so these, these verses tell us that if he put to death the two guards that Peter were chained to, or here's the question: Did he kill the two guards that that Peter was chained to, or did he kill all 32 of them? Uh, I would have to think all of them. Herod left town; he went to uh, from Judea to Caesarea. I had I I at first I thought uh, to escape public ridicule, right? 
but that's me talking. Uh, later on, we will learn that there, there was a specific timing to this. He left Judea and went to Caesarea for a reason. Prearranged appointment. Uh, actually, <laughs> you'll see. Uh, verse 20. Now, Herod became very angry. This is kind of weird. This is a shifting gears here. We've dealt with Peter, his escape, uh, the guards dying, and all of a sudden we're, we're into something else. We're into something else here. It's kind of a little shifting gears. Verse 20. Now, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus, I like that for a name. What's your your name, Blastus? You know, no. The king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace, because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. Here in verse 20, you see this shift, and all the, the events that had surrounded it, to another scenario. But it sets the stage for Herod's demise. Uh, we're not told as to why Herod was displeased with these people of Tyre and, and uh, Sidon. And it doesn't appear to be noted by any Jewish historian. Okay, We don't know why he was mad. Uh, but uh, these people, were they were also subjects of Rome and, and with other inhabitants of Galilee. So... Herod could not go to war with them. He could withhold their food from them, though, and that's a real problem. Uh, Then they they had befriended the king's age. Uh, These folks had befriended Blastus, and this is just good politics. This is just good politics. Uh, They more than likely bribed him. As uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. There were bribes then, sadly, in many places, way of life today. Verse 21. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to him. This day was a day in which the games were going to be held in honor of Claudius, who was the emperor of Rome, who was Herod's boss. Okay. Herod had reigned for three years over all of Judea and reigned for four years before that over the Tetrarchy of his brother Philip before that. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, explains this situation in a way that uh, becomes very, very clear to us. These games were being held in honor of Claudius. It was a big deal. It was like Super Bowl. Uh, and, and there were vows going to be made for the uh, the health of the emperor. But in the book of Antiquities, we read, He put on a garment made wholly of silver and of a contexture truly wonderful. And he came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment, being illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun rays upon it, shone out in a surprising manner. And he was so resplendent as to spread a horror over those that looked intently on him. And presently his flatterers cried out, uh, one from one place and then another, though not for his good, that he was a god. That was a, a Jewish writing. And the people kept shouting, verses 22 and 23, the voice of a god and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the world struck him. The angel of the Lord struck him. 
because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. (laughs) There you go. In antiquities, (laughs) there you go, Herod. Uh, There he went. Uh, In antiquities, it said, a severe pain also arose in his belly and began in a most violent manner. When he had been quite worn out by the pain in his belly for five days, he departed this life. So we don't have a medical diagnosis uh, for uh, the physical condition that that Herod suffered from. Uh, But we know that he had a spiritual illness. He was stricken uh, with it. He had had it for a long, long time. It was prevalent today. This illness is prevalent today. And it's prevalent amongst many people today, even in the church. What is it? He did not give glory to God. He did not give glory to God. And X frequently refers to the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. Herod was all about Herod. He loved being called a God. He's thinking, I could get used to this. On the other hand, we have Herod loving the attention. And then on another hand, we have these Tyrians and Sidonians sucking up to him to gain favor. I suppose they also came under judgment. Because that's the wrong thing to do. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net net for his feet. Even an honest compliment should be offered carefully and should be received with great humility, always giving glory to God. Regardless of how you may be gifted, God is the one who blessed you with that gift. This doesn't mean that you can not enjoy that gift, that you must never lose sight of where it came from. You can enjoy the gifts that God gives you. Uh, Xavier has the gift of understanding, studying, and sharing the Bible with us. That's his gift. And I'm sure he enjoys exercising that gift. Uh, But I'm also sure he gives God the glory for that gift. You know, I mean, I I said it, I think, in my last study. You you watch X walk out in the morning, and he's, he's almost like strutting. You know, I mean, he's so happy. You know, he can't wait to get to that pulpit and teach us. You know, and that's that enthusiasm is something that I need. Uh, verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. How many Bible studies do you suppose will be taught in Los Angeles this week? How about in California this week? In the United States this week? In the world this week? How many Bible studies will be taught this month? How about this year? Has the word of God grown and multiplied? You better believe it. John 1 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So here we are at Tuesday night in Pasadena looking into God's word. Herod is dead, died a long time ago. He stayed dead. Jesus died a long time ago, too. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive right now, right here. Verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Acts 11. And in these days the prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, same time. Then the disciples, according to his ability, 
Each according to his ability determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Paul. Uh, the church has grown. The church has grown. The church is growing. The church is still growing. This is an exciting time. There are a lot of trials, some stumbles, a lot of successes, and a lot of hard work. Here tonight are the fruits of that hard work. We're, we're the result of those exciting times. And i got to ask, are those days behind us? Do we read these like a history book? Or is this what's happening here today? There's a, a, a story by a guy named F.F. F. Bruce, who I have no idea who he is. He relates the story of Sundar Singh, a dependent Christian who was likewise freed miraculously from a prison. For preaching of the gospel, he was thrown into a well and a cover set over it and securely locked. He would be left in the well until he died, and he could see the bones and rotting corpses of those who had already been perished, who had already perished in there. On the third night of his imprisonment, he heard someone unlocking the cover of the well and removing it. A voice told him to take hold of the rope that was being lowered. Sundar was grateful that the rope had a loop in it. He could put his foot in it because he had injured his arm in the fall down into the well. He was raised up. The cover was replaced and locked. When he looked to thank his rescuer, he could find no one. When morning came, he went back to the same place he was arrested, started preaching again. News of the preaching came to the official who had him arrested, and Sundar was brought before him again. When the official said someone must have gotten the key and released him, they searched for the key, and they found it on the official's own belt. God's still writing the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book filled with bold, Faithfulness and excitement. We are the book of Acts. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And I pray for that excitement and that boldness which has brought us to where we are today would continue in us. That those who street witness, that those who uh, go to the prisons, that those who serve in this church would be excited about the work that they do. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your incredible love, your incredible grace, unmerited favor, and your mercy, Lord, delicious, that you don't give us what we deserve. We ask you to bless us all now as we go out into the world that these, these words that we've read would stay in our hearts and that we would live the gospel, not just think about it. We thank you, Lord, for all we have, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.